Hey, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Can't complain. How's your day go, man? Today's pretty good, man. A little impromptu trip to San Francisco. We caught the ferry and just decided to hang out. It's a beautiful day, and um, I figured it was this nice in Vallejo. Why not try try San Francisco? And it was really a nice day. It was windy, of course, because right there on the bay, but um, the weather was really nice. It was a beautiful day. What's it get there? Like, does it get pretty hot in the summer sometimes? Or get, it stays pretty mild, doesn't it? Vallejo's like 40, 45 minutes to an hour away from San Francisco. It gets hot here. It could get hot up to, you know, high 90s, you know, on a real bad day, about 100. But um, but normally it's not too, too bad, but it, it gets pretty warm. But San Francisco is always kind of either it's a nice day or it's hella cold. So it's, it's not too much. Yeah. Uh, you don't get too many nice days in San Francisco like that, especially being on the water. And if it starts off good, make sure even <laughs> you might be wearing shorts during the day, but you're going to need a, a parka when that, you know, around five o'clock, five, six o'clock, because it gets cold quick. Yeah. Every time I've gone, mm -hmm. San Francisco is just cold. Yeah. Overcast. It's, it's, <laughs> and yet, like, Seattle gets the reputation for, like, being rainy and cold. Yeah, it's every time I go to San Francisco, pretty much. I was going, I was going to bring up that because when I went out there, I thought the same thing. I was like, "Oh man, it was really nice." And you know, it's like, like global warming, and it's funny because um, it was nice enough to be like you know, you know, get into like a pool. And at the hotel we're at, I was like, uh, "So you guys have a pool?" They was like, "None the hotels out here have pools." <laughs> so I guess they were built before before climate change, when no way you would ever need a pool there. But now, yeah, you can use a pool out there, but none of the hotels really have them. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Is the Pacific, what's it feel like there? Like, is it like, as you know, up here in Oregon, mm -hmm. it's impossible to get in the, in the ocean. We got folks that go out there, but that water would be cold. Like, it'd be cold yeah. to your feet, even if you walk with some. some so the uh, same here. Yeah. 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 And the military had a friend that was like a quote unquote polar bear. And they do the thing where they would even saw into the frozen ice and then jump into the water and all that. Like, no. Like, no. <laughs> Certain types of people do that. And yeah. we're typically not. Nah, that's not that's yeah. not how we roll. So it's cold. The water is hella cold. But don't stop people from going out there doing their thing. So people do what they do. Not me, though. Yeah. Project Runway. That was an interesting, <laughs> interesting yeah. season. Uh... <laughs> It just, I was rooting for it. Yeah. I, I like Issa Rae. I'm, I'm, I'm betting on black. I'm, I'm voting for any, everything is black. And when I saw that, I didn't know if it was like we were putting a good light. And I know one person doesn't represent all of us, but you know, one person represents all of us. <laughs> and it has some key stuff that's kind of, uh, you know, stuff that we kind of fear that we hear about us that we don't want to hear about us. She kind of did all all the stuff you don't want people to say about us, even though we're not the only ones that do that. She kind of hit all the stuff that you would not want to hear about us. Cause when they'd be like, how come you don't have more, you know, black folks doing this or that, or black folks are doing that. And then you see what happens when the opportunity comes and it's all the stuff. And like I say, I know it's not just us, but the opportunities are so not common at all. And so when they do come up and it is spotlighted, I know it's not fair to expect them to hit a 10 on the landing, you know, for all the rare times we do get the opportunities. But when it doesn't hit, boy, it just, 
it, it hits it lands funny i think when something is not great yeah we don't have to have too long of a conversation about it like, <laughs> true, true. true i concur with that yeah I won't watch it twice. Yes, I'm I'm kind of like like you. It was nothing in particular. It was a whole thing. And so I came and locked it down to a particular episode that I was like more irritated or pissed off with than the next. It was just kind of like like I'm still watching the same train wreck. Like it's not getting back on the track at all. And I'm trying to see, and I'm even noticing how they even trying to cover for themselves that kind of gave me a hint that it was gonna be something at the end even even <laughs> even certain things you could see they were uh, making excuses for or, or apologizing even before they occurred that's how i knew like oh this is gonna be and did you watch the movie afterwards i did and yeah. i i've yeah. got some thoughts on that too, Me too. so okay. we got it's a lot to talk about in this okay one. yeah <laughs> It was it was funny because I was so excited about this and I was like I can't wait to have a discussion because it's behind the scenes stuff and you know you're a filmmaker too so I want to get some of your insights what you think I'm gonna get some stuff what I think and, and I was watching and I'm like this is this is a train wreck I'm like damn I did not want this for that I was also thinking like how this conversation gonna go without it being you know because sometimes when you say stuff about stuff it's like taken personally and but there are certain things that go along with certain folks. It does, yeah. Even if it's not flattering, sometimes it matches up. We are bringing back Project Greenlight. Let's go. Do you think we're gonna do it justice? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Especially, I mean, based <laughs> off of- it's day one, you're very confident. <laughs> Project Greenlight is a documentary about what it takes to be a filmmaker. Action! We received thousands of submissions from all over the country. This time, we're doing things a little bit differently. It's about time the world sees how many dope woman directors there are. This is not going to be a walk in the park. It's about putting in the work. Casting. It is really going to change the mood. I mean, I don't know. Do we have a choice? Like... I'm going to be honest. You can't just say no. They're the studio. They're paying for this. There were issues between the film crew and the series crew. Yeah, just close the door on my face. It's getting very hard to keep my mouth shut. I know what I want to do in my head, and I think they're all concerned. I couldn't tell if Miko was delivering. I'm a little nervous, America. I'm nervous. This is a really big deal. The studio can pull the plug at any point. Hey, we have an issue. You OK? We have an ambulance standby. We just lost power. What else could go wrong? Hey, it's Jay, back in for another one. And tonight I have with me... It's Drew. How you doing today, Jay? What's good, Drew? What's good? Well, you know, nothing's good about what we about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just playing. It's 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 good, man. It's Yeah, it's good. It's good. We're going to talk about Project Greenlight, a new generation. Right, you got to put that, like, that tag on there. New it's generation. almost as though somebody wanted to separate it out from the old stuff. I don't know why they would want to do that. I know. Um, okay. For anyone listening who doesn't know what Project Greenlight is, can you fill us in real quick? Let's catch them up. What is Project Greenlight? So Project Greenlight is this show that came out, it was on HBO, came out several years ago. It was headed by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And it's almost a show of giving a person who never 
I think on their show before, it was like a writer and a director. It's a writer-director who never had a chance before, never had a major motion picture done before, and it's like giving that person a chance. So if it's something like you're out there doing your thing and you never had the funding or the backing or even somebody to believe in you to make your, your film a reality, they were scouting to find that person. And it's interesting because they found a lot of interesting writers and directors and the success of them varied, but it was always interesting to see the journey of how it works, how it works as far as pulling the team together, as far as having producers and their input, having the studio, their part in it, and even how the new director or writer works under pressure to, you know, make the project happen. And so you, they have mentors like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and they're trying to almost like their whole thing with uh, Goodwill Hunting. Like they needed somebody to give them a chance and they were just kind of like paying it forward. So in concept, it's a, it's a beautiful idea and a way to, you know, give some first time folks a, a chance equivalent to like American Idol or America's Got Talent where, you know, you get a chance to showcase your thing and they're going to back you if you win, win the show. And then your prize is really making that movie. And I've seen it yeah. varied where they had a script and already in mind. And I've seen other ones in later seasons where they uh, liked the guy's idea and they took his short and then made that into an actual movie as well. So this is the next generation of that. We have new producers, a new head, Issa Rae. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things about like the concept behind it was it was true to the concept of a uh, good old boy system pay it forward. Like turned out that they only found people who were just like them. Surprise, a couple of white guys from Boston accidentally only found a bunch of other white guys to make films. <laughs> so ultimately it's what led to Project Greenlight, a new generation. Right. There was a need to say, hey, we're going to interject something different. In comes Issa Rae and her production company basically setting out to say the next version, the next iteration of this, it will be a woman because they've never had a woman before. Right. And it was so, saying also a woman of color. I thought they said woman of color, but um, but for sure a woman because they said, you know, and it's funny how they was kind of almost poking at them for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the introduction that they, they repeat, which gives, which is the craziest thing because it's what gives the, the three main mentors credit for being on all 10 episodes, even though they weren't. Uh, um, except for that intro with that same repeated thing of saying like, oh yeah, did you know when they never had a woman do this? Right. And here's the thing, the show wasn't on, it wasn't a generational show. We have to also note that what it had four seasons. Yeah, I believe so. That's not a transformative like, hey, I grew up with this show. It was a show for me that I watched it, but it never produced anything that was groundbreaking or, you know, like it was a decent idea, but. Yeah, I think it was more for folks who wanted to know how the sausage was made kind of thing. If you wasn't into that kind yeah. of stuff, it could be a bore or just like any other reality show and trying to show somebody under pressure and seeing how they're going to work it out with all this stuff coming at them um, more so than. I think it's probably the closest thing you would have seen with a camera with a, actually how what a producer does what does a, a grip do or you know all the rewrites with a writer and how 
the director's interpretation of that determines what it's going to look like on the screen. So it just kind of gives it's kind of gives you like a little fundamental breakdown of all the parts of the of the puzzle and, and how they come together, if if anything, you know, because really the um, the product that they came up with in the end would vary definitely. So you're mostly dealing with the um, personalities of the writer slash director who won and how they deal with the Hollywood folks in the machine that's already kind of there. Who, interestingly enough, they don't want to give you all the information and they want you to do it on your own. But then also when you try to do your own thing, they have something to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Now, Very interesting. The, the difference between the new generation also and the old one was how the show was formatted just before we get into like the weeds of of this episode was they had a little bit more time a lot bit more time on the former seasons than what they gave this individual person uh they gave miko a very short amount of time and gave her a bad script from the get-go so like it was they manufactured drama from the beginning where in the past it was more of a true organic look at uh, hey, you got a film project. It's you know, is it? It had to be somewhere before it even got to Project Greenlight point. Right. They right. kind of didn't do that. This felt like it was a reality show or a game show almost type thing of like, let's see what you can do with this subpar script. You know, kind of contest kind of thing. Right. I have some thoughts on that. Well, okay, so. Like the beginning of the show, what they're doing is scouring and they have the main host, Issa. She has Kamal Minjari, which uh, they did a movie together called uh, The Lovebirds on Netflix, which is a, yeah. like a little romantic comedy that I love that movie. So they kind of paired up together. You got Gina Prince, was it By the Wood? Who did Love and Basketball? Yes. Yeah, she yeah. was on which there. Was, which was Issa's idol growing up. Yeah, yeah. And so she was so, like one yeah. of the mentors and stuff there. And so it was basically Issa Ray making this one of her projects, one of her um, hooray projects, branded projects. And she does a lot. I think she does a lot, at least seemingly to me, she does a lot with integrating very array of young folks of color, kind of working together, kind of doing it their way, alternative to other studios and, and production companies and stuff. And I, I kind of dig what she does. And she seems like she does a lot of stuff, giving people chances and stuff in a, in, a, in a platform, which is pretty cool. And she seems, you know, more accessible than some other folks who does this the same kind of thing. So every time I'm hearing about like a, like submitting something to an independent movie, or it's always seemed like she's kind of behind it or working on something or even with music and stuff like that. So I, I've yeah. seen people try to juggle this kind of stuff, but She's the only one I've really seen that juggles this kind of stuff and is actually involved with it, which kind of makes a big difference versus like handing it off to somebody else and you get what you get. She seems like she has a strong vision for what she wants for her for her brand and she kind of sticks with it, even when she have other things yeah. going on. She seems like she really tries to to kind of keep it keep it pulled together. So Yeah. Um, so it was it was exciting to see, like to see how she operates, how she brought in her team. Right. And then she went to go handle the business that keeps the, you know, that that keeps the company open. She had to go shoot the Barbie movie. Right. right. Uh, but they introduced us to all of the the staff that she has that right. will serve as a representative of their, you know, their producer uh, credits. Yeah. And so they were one half of the team 
um, there was uh, another, and then there was another half of the team that that was also represented at the table, uh, producing everything. It, you know, like you said, they scoured. They had what ten? They had yeah. a top. They narrowed it down to a top ten. Each person had to make their cut of a different scene from the uh, from the script that was given to them. Right. And they were mm -hmm. given a small budget and small amount of time to do it. There were some front runners who disappointed. There was some strong uh, people, but ultimately, the person who won, who had, had a little bit of everything from every category, wasn't the best at everything, but gave yeah. them the best film, gave them more promise than some other people. Uh, it, it's who they ultimately end up choosing. Yeah. Now, do you think they didn't show us all the other people's scenes, but did it feel like from the beginning that it didn't seem like that that was a a knockdown drag out everyone thought she should be it i think that they had somebody else in mind and i remember put like this i guess after seeing so much of reality show stuff when they started kind of like showing clips of people's work and their submissions and stuff or even the stuff they submitted in the first place to get chosen i knew they was kind of gunning for this one girl whose style they really liked and i guess she ended up doing something when they said hey shoot this part of the script and she turned into something else they were kind of like disappointed it was so many different kind of personalities and stuff and my ideal situation they would show everybody's interpretation of that shot versus the little clips that we got that wasn't kind of in order or really matched up with the person very well but i think they probably did that yeah. because i think somebody else probably did a better job than who they selected because <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, are you are you not showing because you don't want to show how how the how I got to the answer? You know, so what they didn't show is almost said as much as what they did show. But I did see and notice early on that they made a big deal out of when they asked the person who they chose. Cause we had people that did, you know, like movie shorts, people who did music videos for different artists and stuff that's kind of out there doing their thing. People who worked on other projects and stuff, but never had a project of their own. So you have some people that's like, I got this idea. I'm going to do this. I got that. I got that. And you got all these personalities, you know, everybody got something to prove. You got a, a, a mother who um, she has this comedic sensibilities and she got a way of saying stuff too. And you know, all these different kind of personalities. And so it was interesting that they would pick the person who, when they was even trying to have basic information about, you know, about them or what drives them or what do you see for this project, couldn't give them one. And I couldn't tell if they just like, cause I will say her, her reel that she did, her interpretation of that part of the script was really strong, but you know, it was strong out of the ones they flashed to us. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I yeah. seen all of them. I came to that decision. It's like you showed me yeah. two other ones that wasn't that good. And then you showed me hers in, in comparison. And yes, that stood out. But I was wondering, like, what did the other girls do? Um, you had 10 people. What what did they have in mind, too? It might have been something in there. So it was weird to me yeah. that, okay, hers are the best out of the ones you showed me. But you made sure you put attention to the part where when they were asking basic questions to her, she couldn't find her words. And when you know you yeah. have to deal with her on a normal basis, you know it's going to be all about communication all the time. So you get the most recluse, you know, I'm a loner. I think in my head, I don't speak. I don't express myself well. That's the person that you want to head this major movie with all these moving parts. I didn't understand because sometimes you'd be like, even when it goes to like when you're working in the office, 
you don't necessarily pick the person who would be the best at the job. You want to be pick the person that you could deal with on a daily basis because <laughs> anybody could pretty much yeah. learn the job, but you want somebody you can get along with almost over how good they are at the job. So I thought it was a weird pick. Yeah. I think the pick was based off of having a poor script and having a person who had a background in editing and writing and any true story is made in those two places so even if she didn't rewrite well right if you're a solid editor then you will make good decisions and so you know sometimes especially being a trailer editor mm -hmm. you know you're telling a very in most cases you you are told like hey this is what we're hitting but in some cases you know you might get privy to like a real uh, like you know a cut uh early cut and they're like hey make a trailer from this in some cases right. um in some cases you just get raw material and an outline the point is she's in a situation where she i think they thought she was going to have some sort of special skills right. and just to keep it light and i'm not i don't know i'm not taking it serious too much but I also kind of felt like Hooray needed and wanted a black woman specifically. I don't yeah. think, I, I think that that was a huge part. So I think all of these, Miko hit a lot of check marks. Like even up to her look, everything it was. And I read, you know, I, two things. One, you know, when you hit the, the internet's horrible and toxic, right? So I'm on Reddit. <laughs> So I'm on Reddit and I'm listening to people's, I'm reading people's breakdowns of the show. Okay. And of course, there's always going to be that guy who's going to show up and, and say, this was a diversity hire, blah, blah, blah. But there was multiple people who was like, oh, Miko was really only, she just checked all of these boxes. Hmm. Even though like they never explored that woman's personal life there's assumptions that people can make off of her appearance right right um you shouldn't but this is the world we live in so they was like yeah they played all that up and that's the reason why she got the job over other people now one of the reasons why people feel justified in that is if you check twitter some of these women after the show premiered played their scene so you can go find some people's scenes i, I was curious about that i was show. really wondering okay so yeah so some people moved on they're working on other projects and a few of them have was like no let me show you what i did like the front runner the black woman who was the front runner the first day that the show premiered she was like i now have permission to show you what i did and so she right away wanted justification and uh you know and, and, uh, she wanted to justify what she did she's like yeah i didn't follow their their script but and I think she represented, oh, she's going to be a headache because she's going to go over time. She's going to do this. She's going to follow a different vision. And truthfully, it was a mistake. They should have probably picked her because she probably needed to rip that script apart and do her, her own thing. Because Miko, throughout the show, did what they, you know, to go Denny Green, she was who they who she said she was. Like, she, she followed what they wanted her to do. But uh, there was, so there was two different crews on set. So right. 
we got to remember this is Project Greenlight. And so they're not like doubling up. This it means it's a documentary crew. Right. A full scale documentary crew on set at the exact same time. Right. So this wasn't one of those uh, type things where they slapped a GoPro on someone. They had high quality cameras, mics and everything on this first time director mm-hmm. who's bringing in and resourcing you know some people key people that maybe she's worked with in the past she's bringing in the best she can but she's leaning heavily on the producers and the you know and a lot of pressure and she has a camera on her so right. you have the project Greenlight producers and then you've got Issa's camp they're saying like it's like a triangle. It's like Hooray, this other producing group, and then HBO at the top with Project Greenlight. And so yeah. it was it was a lot of hands in the in the kitchen. And um it's funny because um I had mixed feelings watching it because seeing how Miko, you know, the director who was chosen, how she was moving about things is very interesting. And I couldn't tell, like I can't I can't say that a lot of it wasn't her, but i I will say it wasn't edited in her favor. You know, it's almost yeah, no, like the it, way it was. Yeah. So the way it was shown and depicted of her, it kind of matched up with the results we ended up getting. And, and yeah. even not knowing, because I had to, you know, you have to watch the show and find out what's going on. Even just watching the show, I was noticing like, oh, why are they slowing down on this? Or why are they bringing this up again? And why are they trying to seem like they're covering their butt about it? And even something as simple as, and I believe that she did it, but I thought it was interesting that she did, but they didn't try to hide it as far as showing it was like her you know, taking off for a day in the middle of a project. Like she's supposed to be doing this stuff and she's talking like she she needs a break and she's taking a break and and nobody's saying no to her. Like she could just, you could just leave that. That's like me being in boot camp and I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm tired today. I just want to take yeah. off for a couple of days. No, no. Well, let's get, in the, let's get in the weeds about this a little bit because that's the hot, that's the part that makes this you know, I can crap on the final project or some things I didn't like about it, but yeah. this still is re- required viewing for anyone who wants to be in the industry. Yeah. It still is because although Project Greenlight hammed it up big time and created drama and all, all these different things, what's important for me that I noticed was that there's a soft language in the film industry that does not match corporate industry or real life, uh, where like, like your boss will tell you, get this done, where they're like, hey, we've got notes. <laughs> and the notes are a suggestion. And so the producers, uh, the hooray producers would get her in the room and be like, here's some suggestions, oh, here's the notes. And then they would go back to the Project Greenlight video, uh, interview. We couldn't have made it more clear. And it's like, no, you made it very, it was very murky when you, five minutes ago, you were like, yeah, so maybe you should do this, just notes. And then you get back and be like, I don't know what her problem is. She's not taking the notes seriously. And it's like, bro, y'all gotta, like, either it's, either it's on her or it's not. Okay. I will, I, okay. <laughs> that's funny, but it's almost kind of like, if you're a little guy and, mm-hmm. A bully be like, excuse me, please. That means get the hell out of the way. <laughs> so, 
so so when you get notes you got you have to consider the source of the notes and where it's coming from and yeah. she can't be that thick where she don't understand if if the producers the person is funding it or even the studio who's gonna put it out is saying you know maybe go left trust and believe that means to go left and so for right. her to ignore that or even take it as like eh, i'm gonna be stickler about this because even because <laughs> okay i'm glad this was brought up because she went to her mentor right and, and kind of talked yeah. about this and she was going through her thing and she's you know gina you know she's directed the woman king so we get to hear about it's funny hearing this all this time later seeing this show being just released but during the time she was adding to release the woman king and so all the stuff she's going through and and the advice and stuff that she was giving about like you know stay your ground and you know and make sure this is that it was just interesting the information that miko took from it not considering like the whole situation because even gina was like hey i you know I wanted to make sure that she understood what I said and not just take the part about standing your ground. Cause sometimes if you see if they're, what they're saying is the suggestion is, it's true. You know, yeah, yes, you consider it. Of course you do. So it was almost like I couldn't tell if Mika was, was trying to be, not being funny, but you know, sometimes, you know, this is editing, this is the show, like I can say also covering themselves. Even the dad talking about how she's kind of bullheaded about stuff and how she kind of gets, you know, she's kind of stuck in her ways. And I don't think that little scene of her dad saying that about her was on accident, considering how they trying to show the narrative of, you know, she could be kind of difficult. And even though you're telling her stuff that she's, you know, she's going to go her own way about it. And so, like I said, I think it's a lot of edits just to kind of cover themselves up as far as things that were going wrong or having issues with and putting it all on on Miko. Um, but even though, like you're saying, they were doing their, you know, well, maybe this, maybe that. But like I say, even as an artist, and I might be stubborn about stuff, stuff, you know, if you do hear something several times, you know, it might it might be a pro problem with the product. It might be a problem with the process even though your heart might be in it, if it's not yours, you know, totally, yeah. then you might be held liable to, you know, people's suggestions. I feel like when you're dealing with a first time director and you're dealing with someone who's, you know what the situation is, I, I feel like there's a responsibility that Project Greenlight had to make sure that the Project Greenlight brand still stayed viable even if this iteration isn't good and i think that that's what they did was protect their interest and as a result i feel like it threw uh hooray under the bus a little bit because it showed the two hooray producers as more of a nag like as a, as they were they were never pointing out what was positive and what was good they were always coming in with negative notes and um, I think for me, when I watched it, I just said, you know, it was stressful because you could tell that like, you know, you feel the pressure of like, yo, you got all these deadlines and she seemed very relaxed, right? Yes. Here's the thing. It felt like she's finding out who she is in the industry and she may be finding out she's not a director. It felt like that more than, oh, I know I'm gonna be a director. I'm gonna be the next big one or something. She never gave me the confidence that she's a director. 
it felt like they was giving her a chance to find out if she's a director. That's interesting. We, and it I, felt like they treated her that way too. Like they, I don't know. It felt like they treated her as though they did give her a lot of space, but it felt like there was a little bit of a lack of respect. Like they were pointing out, it was so many things pointing. And I understand Project Green like kept cameras on them at yeah. all times. So they there was no space for them to say it in private. That's right. the point that Project Greenlight has to capture it. But I think that was the most stressful part watching it was that like, man, I know they're probably better producers than this. Like, I know they probably don't really, like if I'm a future director and I'm thinking, do I want to work with them? Yeah. Are they going to stand over my back like that and critique every single thing? Uh, most producers don't do is do it the way that they were doing it. Like they were on her back about a lot of small, like those notes, those big notes she, she ignored. That's true. That, that was a problem. But also on the same token, empower her to fix the problem with an alternative. Then it, yo, know, you're not re like, hey, bring in other writers then. Like, don't expect her to fix it because you're short on time and short on budget. Find a way. So I wanted to see the producers be under the spotlight just as much as the director was under the spotlight because that's more indicative to what really goes on behind making even an independent film. If I, I've hit spots and my producer is like, okay, Andrew's not giving me the rewrite and he goes out and finds people. If I'm not giving the project what it needs, he's in charge of the project. He's got to do what's best for the project. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the expectation was on both sides, because it seemed like they were on two different pages. It was kind of like Ray thought that they were going to have this dynamo who does the writing, editing and directing. And she looked like I won this competition for directing and that's all I'm doing. I don't really want to do anything else, but just direct. And when I'm directing, I'm not going to speak about I have it in my head and I'll, I'm going to go, you know, take a take a trip. I'm gonna go to a bachelor's party and and I'll be back and I, I don't know I, I I it was it was hard to tell I think that um I don't know like I, I almost kind of like if you guys picked her you must have saw something in her I don't think it was it was relayed well what they actually saw because from what I saw is what we got and so it was interesting yeah. that you know like did she because she really seemed like she wasn't tripping off none of it she wasn't really stressing and like i said i thought it was very yeah. interesting when they asked her something as simple as what do you see when you read the script what do you think what do you what do you see or whatever and it's almost like and i know artists is like this so it's very interesting to see you have some artists that their mind's always going they hear something they make them think of this they see that they think of that and you have other artists you know tell me what to do like they they're almost like a and not being messy, but they're almost like a tool. They just feed them the information and they can make it happen. It's just that, it's just that it can be that mechanical and they'll do a brilliant job, but it's no be no more or no less than what was told or given to them. And she seemed more like that. Yeah. And this wasn't the situation yeah. for that because it, it wasn't. And that, yeah, 
But for her to be a sci-fi head, like she's saying and stuff like that, how could you have nothing to add to that story? That was a basic story, really. And so not to have no kind well, of interpretation on that threw me off a little bit. Well, and even to get back to the concept, and, and here's the thing. Everybody has the right to write what they want to write. And if a if a production company or even if it's a comic book, if you get a if you get the right sensitivity readers, the right people in there to look at a project, it'll be all right, which we saw them do. But what do you expect when you write a sci-fi story about women of color written by like a white man who's missing holes of like how to bond two women together? Like the holes that they were missing were holes that maybe Miko wasn't the demographic to fill those holes because you're talking about, and here's, and I'm just going to go this direction. I might be too in the weeds in this. If you were to tell me right now to write a mother-son dynamic and try to tighten up the mother-son dynamic, my trauma will be, will inform that. And I would not want to put it on my film because my mother's dead. Miko's mother's dead. And you're saying, patch this mother-daughter relationship thing up no why does miko need a why does miko need a few extra days because i'm accomplishing one of the greatest things in my life but just a few years ago i had to bury my mom people real life people and i'm not and this is me inserting a lot of me into miko's shoes i am a introvert by nature now when the microphone comes on i know how to perform right but i think about things and my producer has to drag things out of me all the time. I love, I'm, I'm really good at teaching show prep. I'm really great at show prep when I do it. If I can get away with not doing it and just let my talent show up, I will do it every time, right? right. And so Miko is, is, the, is that type of talent and I identify with the type of talent she is. And so I think I watched the show empathizing with Miko and screaming at the producers and even at some point being irritated with Gina Prince involvement with it because it's like you're busy if you signed up for the project but you could tell she showed up three times total and they just shot like they they made it you know they wrapped it around I don't know why Kamal's there like why he's there at all yeah. like he didn't mentor I never saw him and I think when they did the photo shoot was the first time he really met Miko outside of the day that they picked her right Issa is in London shooting something else. So the idea of her being able to have access to these people realistically, I don't think existed. I hmm. think that it existed for Project Greenlight so that they could cover their image since their face was on it. Sort of like that last session, that last uh, session where they were like, where he was like, well, Gina, could do you think you could fix this? Right. Oh, that makes me feel better. Why would it make you feel better? She's not the one fixing it. But the concept was at the very end, let's make sure Issa looks good. Let's make sure. But truthfully, the most traumatizing thing you could do to a talent and people repeat the same things that was done to them. You could tell everything bad that has happened. Like, that's the thing. For Issa to be who she is and to break so much talent, it is crazy to see that the machine is so broken that in order for Issa to have any success, she has to repeat what was done to her. Like she has to be the same exact way. 
um it's a business she has to and the business is ran you the bread is baked this way and it's the way you got to do it right. all the way down to the producer notes um being suggesting you know because they don't want to cross the line but then going in your side interviews both Issa did this and her producers did this going into side interviews and really villainizing Miko and that part is like that's crazy to me to see like it ain't crazy like I know it happens in real life but it's like it's wild because you're rooting for everything black and at this moment it's like doesn't feel like it but that's the business and I get it but it didn't and Miko own she's got her own her own thing but I feel like they project green like scapegoated themselves like when their crew was getting in the way they made it seem like it was Miko's crew that was the problem dude your crew was walking through the middle of stuff <laughs> like right. I feel like they didn't own it and then they went and told HBO on them like they went and told Warner Brothers yeah and and Miko gets smacked on the wrist because Miko, first time director, has to manage her crew having another crew with her right. after she had already lost the talent. She lost the talent she wanted with the stage manager because Project Greenlight. Project Greenlight was problematic throughout this whole thing, but they washed their hands of it and made Tyler seem like he was the bad guy because he didn't want to be on camera as much. Made Miko out to be the bad guy because she put her mic off to say something personal to be a better director you didn't need that footage the footage wasn't needed at all you know like of or she didn't need to be mic'd up mm -hmm. like but I understand it was part of what was expected of Miko but yeah it left a bad taste in my mouth on on how they edited this up to make Project Greenlight look like they're good and uh I think it, it made Hooray look bad Oh, it's a no. lot. I know I said a lot. No, no, it's no. A lot no, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I think everybody was kind of guilty, even Project Greenlight, because like I said, even when they showed the footage of them kind of like constantly like, hey, man, everybody's trying to be cool about it. Like, hey, you're in the shot or it's too many people in here or can we get a? But then also they also probably got the attitude as, hey, we're paying for this. I'm going to be wherever I want to. Like, oh, mama, you can't be here. Oh, I can't. Oh, daddy, I can't be here. Oh, I paying for it. I can be anywhere in the house I want to be. You know, you don't get a shot call, you don't pay nothing, and yet and still you get to determine where the person who paid goes. So I can understand kind of that attitude about it. The whole thing is, is crazy and complicated. And like you said, it's the it's the way they make the bread. Like I said, it really just didn't seem like Miko, because even with the writing thing, right? Okay, she has nothing to give to it, obviously. Um, yeah. But then also, too, that should have been a thing where, hey, I, you know, I have to step down. I have nothing I could give. Like that could have been a self thing where I, I'm not the one for it. Why you got this other person talking about we're gonna get Grammy? I mean, gonna get Oscars and all this other kind of stuff. You could have got somebody who's full tilt, ready to, um, to push forward with this project and had a big old vision. Like I said, out of the ten women, you picked the one woman who didn't have anything to add to the Any situation yeah. at all. So to me, that would be scary. Um, yeah. So. Even when she had nothing to give as far as their relationship with the and the thing is too yeah you're right it was faulty for them to know it was all these big gaps and problems that started from the beginning 
And why would you put this on her for that if she didn't come in there as a writer necessarily? So yes, the problem that was wrong with the script, they knew that already. They should have talked to the dude who was writing it and told him that before they even gave her a bad script to try to work out while trying to figure out how to direct. Granted, but then also they did bring some women in to fill in those gaps and she didn't like what they had to say. Cause she was actually turning down a lot of stuff too. And it's kind of like, well, yeah. if you have nothing else to give, you're good at saying what you don't want, but then you're not good at saying what you do want and how you're going to fix or it. Or even, ex and this is the part where I agree with the parade producers. She never explained why. Yeah. Yes. And that is, that is a key part of just being an adult. Like we right. are not allowed to just be like, nope, unless you just in the upper 1%, you can right. never say no. no. <laughs> like you got to no. explain to people why it's no or right. why it's yes. Right. Um, I, I think they missed on one thing. I think what they were trying to do and they missed and I'm kind of glad they missed and hear me out. This is once again, deep in the woods on it, but I think they were trying to do the thing that people is the trope about being black in America that you have to be a hundred. You have to give 150%. Right. Right. So all of project green light, has in the past has been known for producing and putting out mediocre films by mediocre men white men right so the concept is we're going to take a subpar script and we're going to make an excellent film because we're going to because it's going to be a it's going to be black, you know like it's a black person doing it you think that's and what the backroom bet was i'm throwing out theories what i'm saying is i think they missed on it i think they were trying to show that watch what we can do because you guys were doing something but you know like you know we're going to do something with less we're going to show you magic with less and i think it did because why else would they give her a broken script it's not a game show like why would you give her a broken script jesus like i've never known Issa to come with a broken script to anything that's stupid unless you were trying to do something like that that has never been representative of of Issa or even Project Greenlight for that matter. To like, not that I agreed with what, what was put out before, but they worked scripts. And it is interesting that if they wanted a woman, especially a woman of color, to be the director, why not be concerned about the writing of the script to be by a woman of color as well, or at least a woman? Because there's plenty of things they oh. could have did by women sci-fi writers and stuff. I, I thought it was kind of interesting, and and even the writer. That, that was interesting that they even had him as the writer of it. Cause even with him, Miko had nothing to give to him. So it was almost awkward. Like you're a writer, dude. And, and so if they're saying these are the problems and you just don't have nothing else to throw out, like that's the best you had. Why'd you, why'd they hire him for the script anyway? Because it's almost like he, well, had, nothing else back to, to... he had nothing else to squeeze out of it. And then she didn't, but like I said, when they did have those two women that was kind of spitballing some ideas, she didn't want that either. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It seemed like when they even tried to make it right, she still didn't want it. She was quick to be like, no, and standing her ground about stuff. But like I said, had nothing else to add to it. But like, I still think that she knew when you're getting a suggestion from the producers, the same thing over and over again, or, or even the studio heads, they, they're not suggesting they're, they're saying that. And the proof of that is when they got rid of that girl who looked like the actual woman who's playing the mom, the dark skinned girl, they got rid of her. That, but I thought that was so I was like, you guys are crazy for showing this on on TV. 
you guys are crazy because this this is the whole problem with colorism all the rest of that stuff you get like a, oh. a, a a black girl that don't look black you could tell that she's something else and you want that straight black mom and that's supposed to be her daughter and you know they didn't want to say and then, it and then you change the mom you give the mom curly hair and put on lighter makeup oh i was so disgusted it was like ray <laughs> fisher and and, and and remember how they they lightened up ray fisher and uh justice league and they had that man 10 times they had him light skin and if you and he ain't like he's not that light in real life it's like ridiculous like Warner brothers stop being racist like stop it like y'all fought for both actresses both of those young ladies were good actors like both of them could have pulled it off why not go with the person like if y'all was gonna pick the other lady because the of the two grown women the media character would have went excellent with the other other woman i can't I, she's in everything she's kind of famous uh oh the one that plays miles mom yeah yeah, the, yeah. i can never think of her name i can't think yeah. of her name. yeah but yeah so yeah you would you would have thought that so it was just interesting like you know and the way the studio was saying it i would even respect it like hey she did the voice of muana and and she probably have a bigger draw and so we'll go with her but don't act like the look and she just has a little extra something something and all this other kind of stuff don't no. don't pull that when the other girl had a better connection with that woman and it actually looked like yeah. it could be her kid you know I, yeah yeah it yeah. did so that bothered and, yeah, me no, I, when they had notes about that so i thought like okay and you know now the idea that at the end they ironically had now the notes before we talk about the movie itself the notes at the end that were interesting that Warner Brothers came up with that which I felt was true and I didn't know it was true until I was saw the movie right was that they you know because we are we're also not seeing anything they're just right. we have to go off their word all the time is that the world should be bigger yeah and I kind of was picking up I knew what they were saying and that the root now the one thing about the note about the ruse of the powers have to be explained better yeah i wasn't worried about that because i've watched a lot because i know they were suggesting voiceover but i've also seen a, a plenty of sci-fi films where the rules of the powers were explained in words mm -hmm. like yeah. they put it up on title screens right and uh and or voiceover so even if she didn't want to do the voice like that was a stubborn bullheaded part on me go to be like I don't want to go with that it's like yeah but you got to explain the rules or something you've got to like let people know what well, what am I watching here like where is yeah. this yeah. is this even earth is this the is this our reality um it's preferred to be like, a sci-fi head not to have any ideas on how that would work it's like okay you you've seen Blade Runner and you've seen the version with the voiceover and you see the version without it and you've seen how they had to do other things to kind of let the general public kind of know what's going on and, and you know the clues of something not being real or not or, or you know it gotta be something and so for her to kind of like oh it'll, it'll fix itself out in the in the in the scenes and all this other kind of stuff i'm like what are you seeing and it almost was like yeah i was almost like is she gonna come out here and, and surprise me for a whole run is she gonna just you know all of a sudden all the stuff is her head it's gonna just come out on the screen and i'm gonna be like okay i shouldn't have said nothing she got it she got it because it's almost like the way that she yeah. was calm about everything the way that she had nothing to add or say out loud 
I just knew either it was going to be in trouble yeah. or it was going to be a brilliant thing that, you know, just stay out of her way and let her do it because she got it. But it seemed yeah. to be the, the she, latter. What I did. She disappointed. But I've never seen it where this behind the scenes position had so much screen time and it said a lot and almost made you question who was doing what was the, um, I guess he would be the assistant director, assistant director who was directing the movie mm -hmm. basically. <laughs> yeah. That dude yeah. was directing the movie. And I'm thinking like he almost had more say so or what was going on. Yeah. But, I, but I don't know if that was happening just because Miko didn't have nothing to add or what, but it seemed like he's the one that was sweating and, and concerned and putting out fires and making everybody, stuff work. Everybody else seemed more concerned about the film than Miko. And at the end of the day, you know, me on the outside looking in, I want to judge the, the situation too harshly, but in all reality, for what depiction we had and for what the final result was, yeah, yeah she was the wrong choice. Because they needed someone who needed to actually not only revamp the script or demand that they got her a, new, a rewrite, yeah, like they needed someone stronger in the beginning. Because, and that's why, you know, they did the thing that Hooray always does where they name their episodes kind of kind of in a cool, you know, like theme. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, Miko problems, script problems. Uh, right. I noticed that. that was you know, the, cool. the Tyler problem. Right. And it's like, it gives the depiction the that when you make a film, it's always a problem. You know, and, and that is true. There was the audio problem that caused them to be behind. And they give you anxiety as a watcher, you know, as a, as a person. <laughs> Because you're like, oh, God, are they going to make, are they going to go? Because overtime is a real thing mm -hmm. um, that can that can can a movie because it, it it can never, you know, make it out of how much the production itself costs. And mm -hmm. so Miko being an editor, when they got to her director's cut, I feel like she did what she was used to doing as a editor, and that's let me put together what the project was you know like what the way it's supposed to be and yeah no vision really no new vision popped up um i feel bad for her in the sense that it was a script that should have been a short story it should have been a short film right and so it was the notes were true that it was repetitive in some parts. I don't understand what ultimately got cut because from the director's cut to them moving forward, they made it seem like they were going to take care of some of the repetitive parts and they were going to shorten it. The screening wasn't, the director's cut was 90 minutes. The actual movie ended up being 90 minutes. So I'm like, what got cut? Like, it's still, I don't know. Yeah. But that the day of the screening, was the worst and it made me hate a person that I've grown to root for no matter what but for one of the first times in her career I was like so mad at Issa Rae on that episode during the screening when because it got quiet when nobody had silence, nothing to say when everybody they all just, just sat nothing. there yeah yeah no one had anything to say and then Miko just had to get up and walk out with her you know her and the editor had to just get up and walk out yeah but Issa's disappointment was just she couldn't hide it everything that she had to say that whole entire episode was just really negative 
But that is the reality of she can't always be these different iterations of Issa Dean. You know what I'm saying? Like she has like she is in charge of a multi-million dollar production company that has a lot of people's lives at stake. Like she's given a lot of people a chance. She's not going to always be nice. She is going to have to articulate how disappointed she is. So I was glad they showed that full piece of humanity, but I was still kind of like, oh, man, you know, like she can be a mean boss. Yeah, but she's almost a parent that's been talking be. about the kid the whole time about getting ready for that test, and then the kid don't do nothing the whole time, and now it's test day, and then the kid, you know, you know, fails, and it's kind of like, what you don't want to hear the part where I told you so, or hear about the part where I had to be on you this whole time and you still didn't do anything what I told you to do, after getting the same notes over and over again and not doing anything about it, and when somebody comes in, you're refusing the information that's being given or the suggestions. It's like okay, so. I don't know. I, I think I saw enough hand holding or suggesting or prodding and the rejection of that to almost kind of like, what more are they supposed to do? But I guess the truth is what they could have did is gave her a solid script. But then also, would, would it still have made a difference? Because sometimes even with the script, while you're in the middle of it, you got to be rewritten or something's off or something, you got to have to add something to it. Like she didn't want to shoot even when they brought it up you know multiple ways of shooting it different expressions different tones you might want to change it yeah. in the editing room even stuff like that like they didn't have to say that out loud but they did so well and that was that's common so, sense but to yeah the yeah, fear of being it's, up it's, against yeah it's common sense but she didn't do it though and then yeah. then when it came to the end it's kind of like oh i don't know what i could do with this and that's the only one we got so next one you know it that, was how did they end up in a situation Project Greenlight, not so much. This is Project Greenlight. This is a a, a a product that Warner Brothers has that it could be something big. How do they end up in a situation where even their involvement in it gets such a small budget and gets them having to do night shoots over and over again? Like, how do they end up saying, oh, she only gets 18 days? Like, that allowed for way too much pressure because I think Miko understood the process of yeah get these alternative shots but I think Miko also understood the process of we've been up for 24 hours or we were about to hit over like she's trying to do the whole thing where they're saying well you're going to need this creatively and it's like well how and where what how am I going to pull this because if I go over then what yeah, but she did show herself the same shot over and over, but it's no... But no, she wasn't giving good direction. Yeah. Wait, wait, well, they did the table read, and I can't yeah. think of the guy's name. He did this dry, like, reading of the... I thought it was supposed to be a joke, but nobody was laughing. And I'm thinking, like, that guy, I like him. He's in everything, and I know he can act, but it was just very, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, any suggestions to anybody? She's like, oh, no, sound, sounds good to me. Yeah, I see him and stuff. <laughs> I... I, and uh, okay say somebody's trying to make you look guilty right yeah don't help them by walking with the weapon <laughs> and the blood on your hands don't help it don't put your hands behind your back wash up a little bit or something don't walk in with the knife and blood on you if they're trying to make you look bad don't lean into it it, it, it was almost like i couldn't <laughs> Now is not the time for social anxiety, Miko. Like, say something. Like, I, yes, you trust these actors because they have a great history. But it's not about them. It's about you proving 
And maybe this actor is given half because he knows he can do it because he's looking around. He's like, oh, I've been in stuff. I'm I'm talented. I'm probably the most talented one here. I can half-ass it, you know? And she's like, this is where she should have asserted herself. Yes. To- and said, no, you can't have, it- even in the table read. Right, because you could be the frustrated doctor who has a past with her and got to wants wants to get her back, and he has a, a thing. Or is he going to be the doctor who's playing it cool, and you don't know what his true association with and his feeling is towards the situation? Do you want to play ambiguously? Like it was nothing, so you don't know. You know, like even the woman who wasn't even directing it made made a thing about how um, the woman who's playing the mother is like, hey, you know, she's good, but she just comes in so hot just from the beginning. And I heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's a good good suggestion. Yeah, it should kind of build up. Maybe just not start just by having this this energy and this kind of like this, you know, be on 10 starting off. Maybe it kind of increase as you see that it's not sinking in with the daughter. You got to keep kind of like, hey, we, it's not time to play. So even the little things that People on the side was even suggesting that might hey this might help the scene, or to give it a little nuance and a little ebb and flow was like more than than Miko was given, and it's kind of like yeah, this is I like I said even I didn't know what she was necessarily looking for, and we're seeing a whole bunch of different stuff, and it's still like I don't know. Yeah, like I said, from the beginning, if she didn't have any kind of big idea what to do or even saying like, hey, this is missing from the script or this doesn't feel right for her not to even say that, because like, really, that should have been said in the beginning. And then it would have put the onus more on them. We knew it wasn't a together script because they even said it wasn't. But to not even you're the one driving and not saying anything about it's like it's like when you rent a car, if you don't say it to the person before you drive off the lot, you did it. So that's why they want you to inspect the car first because there's a big old hole in the door and they just say they didn't see it and you drive off and say you didn't see it and you come back with that hole that that was in there on the first place, you are liable for that hole in that door. And you should have said something before you left because you saw it, you claimed it, it's yours. And so- That's a good point. It was very rough. It, It made her come off ungrateful. I wouldn't necessarily say arrogant, but it was interesting. Like I said, she kept taking little trips and leaving and stuff and kind of doing certain things and figuring things wasn't a concern, didn't want to read the script over, didn't have any notes. Like, how can you not have any notes? How can you be reading it and not have any kind of notes and act like it's a chore? Like, what else are you doing? Well, them showing her go to Joshua Tree, her going to Vegas for the weekend. These are also, I think, products of her blowing up, like her getting on. And all of a sudden, you know, nobody's hitting you up to go to Vegas or to go to Joshua Tree. And now you didn't, like, they found out you you got this Project Greenlight thing going. They want to be your friend. And you're getting, you getting to go places. And, you know, her taking breaks and doing all that. I think some of that's indicative of Welcome to Hollywood, where really? Gina Print, yeah, it, I, I honestly do, just because, you know, like, she's been there like she's in LA like she's working but she ain't now she's in this circle where now people are like uh-oh she's with some influencers she's hanging out with her own friends but that's my point like that's what I'm saying people who like she may have been always in the weeds doing her own thing on a whole nother track which is what most people do in order to even get noticed for this contest right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden she got a little fame even though the show hadn't came out right, yet, right, right. but people know. So people, 
who's adjacent to the industry down there know. And now all of a sudden, she's going to Joshua Tree. She's getting invited to, and it's not going with famous people. It's her people who might've been going anyway, but may not have invited her before. Point is, I'm just saying like, she's got a little bit more money in her pocket because they paid her probably more than she was gonna get paid doing, you know, editing a trailer. So now she's enjoying, I'm just saying, part of what Miko was experiencing and what I feel like was when you get, when you get put on for the first time you get a little bit of money in your pocket you get a little bit of notoriety some people want to hear from you like mm-hmm. and even on the show hadn't came out it was still could be some of that and this once again just speculation because they didn't give us that exploration of it but she doesn't seem like the extroverted type of person who's like always going out and kicking it so there had to be an alternative like there had to be a reason why she was taking so much time to do things but i i do come back to not feeling comfortable with project Greenlight editing that way because it made it seem like oh she's the lazy it, it, the, the trope of us not being hard workers or us not giving 110 and that's the opposite of who we are and I felt like right. they put that in there and to make it seem like she she wasn't working hard. They had a lot of shots of her with a knife in the blood. How about that? <laughs> they had a lot of ammunition. Yeah, like they had a lot she, of they had a lot of she, situations. Even when she was there, it's the point you made earlier. Yeah, kind of not just really... sitting back, not doing as much. Yeah, that just wasn't her personality. She's just not. She's not Gina Prince. She's not Issa Rae. She's not the she is what she is now that film was what it was and good wasn't it it was rough yes and the the first act the texture of the film didn't match and what i mean but when i say texture it's like i'm watching it and one minute i'm like it's the quality and this this is gonna make you say the quality of the film shifted in the first act to the second act and or at least my my eyes adjusted and got used to it or something. But it felt weird and cheap. And I understand it was a low budget film, but it didn't yeah. feel cinematic and polished. And then the texture changed a little bit. And I started, it started to feel a little bit more warm and the edit felt like it flowed, but then it just got super repetitive in the second act. And it was like, oh, I get it. I get it. It was this weird. They just kept overexpressing. They took them too long to show her youth's powers. It was just too dramatic when it was. And then when she gets captured, that went way too long. Like his abuse and like him trying, like all of that, Professor X and her, like it was too much. All the stuff they said was the truth, and you could see it on the screen. The world wasn't big yeah. enough. The connection between the mother wasn't good enough. You didn't understand the powers, and you know all everything that they said from the beginning was still there in the end product. I still didn't think that that girl matched up with that mom. Even the thing with the girl on the show when they were talking about how you know it was definitely CYA in in on this show because even. The girl had an issue where she was hyperventilating and she was falling apart and stuff. And they showed 
a few minutes before that scene happened, they showed her talking about how she's staying up late. All the kids that's, that's casted are sitting by the pool talking. And what time did you go to bed? I went to bed at two o'clock. I probably got two hours worth of sleep. I'm, I don't know how I'm going to make it tonight. And then they were sure to show insert that right before the other scene where they're shooting at night and she falls apart. So like behinds were covered. <laughs> yeah very well and for everything that went wrong they show how the person was responsible for their own demise or situation so like it wasn't us and they made sure that even if they were guilty they kind of showed where the person kind of held their own sword that they fell on even the kid yeah the mother acted well yeah and she even in the project green light clip she had a really good attitude yeah uh the gentleman who played, uh, you know, the bad guy in the film, he did an excellent job. He kept the movie glued together. Yes. Um, I, the the script itself was the issue from the get go. I even have to say, to Miko's credit, some of the special effects came across a little bit cheesy, but they were good. I think yeah. she patched what she was supposed to patch, mm -hmm. or maybe Warner Brothers did it. I don't know, right. but enough was patched to where I felt like the world was small, but I felt like it was small. It was weird that it was shot this year, supposedly, like it was shot, re like, cause in so many Project Greenlight people was on set. That part was weird considering it. I felt like they could have expanded the world just by bringing in more actual people to be in background and just expand. Right just throw in a scene that actually literally sometimes and i know expanding the world can come through dialogue and you know whatnot but they could have expanded the world by just actually showing them right like they shot this like a true independent film like hey we only got three sets you know what i'm saying and right. they could have did so much more um yeah. or it had to be a different kind of story yeah. to work within those parameters but if you're talking like this big old thing is kind of going on in this situation, you have to kind of show versus tell because it's almost kind of like you have no proof of the bite of anything. So you're just kind of going by what people are saying. And it did feel small in scope. Yeah, it's not. A, yeah. What, what would you give this film? A C minus? You get worse than that? No. Only reason I watched it, what made it halfway decent is because it was educational. Because I was just kind of comparing notes right. to, to what I've seen, how how it got made. Now, let me ask you something. Would you challenge people? Would you ask someone to watch that? Oh. The movie first? Do you think people should watch the movie first and then watch Project Greenlight? I think you have to watch Project Greenlight first to to be able to digest that movie. Oh, is that bad? Yeah, that yeah. That you could I, only... If I would have clicked on that, because I've seen that movie on HBO Max or Max or whatever they call it now. I was going to watch that movie on its own. And then I realized it was the Project Greenlight winner's movie. So I'm glad I didn't watch that first because I've been like, oh, this is just kind of like a bad, you know, just kind of like a cheap movie. Like, uh, you see the premise, like, here we go. This is, and then once I seen that, it was like always at nighttime for the most part. And you see the same characters and they trying to do like an X-Men ripoff kind of thing. And it's like, we still doing these kind of kind of stories. And really, the only thing that would make it special would be the relationship between the mom and the daughter. That's the only thing that would make it different than a plain old X-Men ripoff movie. And they didn't even do that. You know, the one thing that I agreed with Miko about, and they did it anyway, 
was they threw in that third character and he didn't make the world bigger. And I know that they still threw that on Miko because they was like, well, you got to do something more with the character, with the relationship between her and that extra character. But that extra character dying, like coming in, like, because at first it was just her with the cops, I guess. And they said, bring in a third person. Who's the third, the third person? person? So there was a guy who was putting up, posting up the signs with them or, or breaking into the place with oh, her. And okay. then, and yeah, so that was the extra person that they added in. He wasn't okay. supposed to be there initially. It was just, and I think that didn't help. Like she no. did it, but it was just like, now you've wasted our time with your friend dying. And it's like, yeah, so what? Those cops dying in your friend. We you gave us no backstory with the friend. If the friend was her dad, what would have been the girl's dad? That made sense. Right. If it would have been like, which also would have explained why this little girl is so light skinned. So it's like, so why not cast someone who's uh you know, whatever the young lady's ethnicity is, you know, that matches her as the dad. I'm going to ask the third character so that it's looming that, like, I didn't kill your dad. That could have been something extra, but instead they just posted a, you know, had a generic guy. And the only yeah. thing that that generic guy did was confuse me for a second because I was like, oh, did that guy end up becoming the Professor X guy? That's later? what I thought, too. That's what I thought, too. Was he supposed to be like a younger version of him or whatever? Or, yeah, yeah I, I thought then, the same and, thing. I thought the same thing. Yeah. And so it's like all that did was, yeah, it added that little bit of suspense in, but that was very, very unnecessary. So I feel like I'm almost with Nico in the note and with Nico in the notes of ignoring that particular note because it didn't add to it. But I think the note would have been good if Miko would have actually insisted that the writer gave more. But it's it's yeah. weird when you're asking for more. And you're not saying what you want. Saying, but hey, you got less. Yeah. And yeah. I, I uh, it was a lot. It was a lot wrong with the film. I think she should be proud of it still, though, because if you're given a film and on a short time frame with the camera crew, like with a whole group of people following you. Yeah. With a group of people who are not like, you're not used to this experience. You're getting tips from so many different angles, notes yeah. from so many different angles. She did the best that she could do. And I hope that she gets another chance. But yeah, that film is a hard low C for me. Like, C is like, fair. I don't usually give grades, but that that that's fair. It's it's not good enough for me to watch again. I would not suggest it to anybody necessarily, unless you just got time. But there's so many good shows out there. I wouldn't just watch something like that when there's so much stuff I need to catch up on. Um, you know what I am gonna watch twice? What's that? They clone Tyrone. Oh, that's gonna. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, it's like so. You were telling me this. I haven't looked it up yet. I just take your word. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to compare the two, but when you told me, yo, that movie's by a first-time director. Yeah. I'm like, now, I can say two actors that I know bring it. Mm -hmm. And John uh, John Boyega and uh, Jamie, Jamie Foxx. Fox. Yeah. Recently cloned. <laughs> right. So it's like, Jamie Foxx is one of the greatest talents 
probably ever. Like you're hard, you would be hard pressed to not put him in your top five talents. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking talent. Just because there's some people who are good at one thing, mm -hmm. but they're not as talented as Jamie. That's like right. Jamie is an ex like he's an excellent comedian, an yep. excellent actor, mm -hmm. an excellent singer, mm -hmm. an excellent host. Yep. Like he has all of the intangibles. Like there's when it comes to talent, that's Jamie. Right. And then the young lady, uh, what's her name? Tiana Paris. Tia, that's it. Tiana, Tiana Paris. I don't know. Yeah, she played uh yo-yo. Yeah, so like she's a emerging star, and we'll see what acting chops she has as time goes on but when you put those people there we're going to talk about this movie and you talk about the same premise black sci-fi to some extent it's the same but it don't feel like it's the same it almost feels disingenuous right because you talk about the world you talk about the world expanding and them showing you but still not going too many different places exactly. than this other movie went. it's written in such a way but the big it's handled a certain kind of way it was dialogue. written the right way. Yep. And then I, I think when you have not just talented actors, but like talented seasoned actors who can give notes mm -hmm. that are better than the studio notes. Mm -hmm. Like I could imagine John Boyega's notes ain't getting ignored or Jamie Foxx's notes are probably going to be way more valuable than the producer's notes. Right. But I also think the situation is different in the fact that that director for They Clone Tyrone had a complete vision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, it, was, it wasn't like, and, what do yeah. I think about this? He's not figuring it out as he shoots. He had a vision. And then even with that, you know, it's something about some nice, clean, strong vision. Even the things that grow out of it is still going to be conducive to the surroundings. So we got a lot that we're going to talk about on the next episode of yeah. this show because like we have to break down. This is a really good movie. It, it reminds you of Boots Riley a little bit, which we've talked about him the last time I was on the show. Donald uh, Glover. Yeah, Don yeah, it's got a little bit of what we are loving about Black Sci-Fi. I'm glad that we're in this space, man. I'm so glad that we, we get a chance to talk about so many dope black film projects and television projects over this past year yeah. and project Greenlight. just to kind of wrap up that conversation i i'm not going to say it was a disappointment to me because i'm going to show my students project Greenlight. i'm going to still tell my students watch this because your blood pressure is going to go up you're going <laughs> to like regardless of your opinion about things you're going to get frustrated you know I go to, I, one of the things I do is I look up Project Green, like I hit Twitter or as Twitter is now called X. Um, like I would, yeah, look it up, bro. Uh, they're renaming Twitter X. Like for real or people going to call it that themselves, but like Twitter actually going to be called X? That's what's trending right now. Huh. Um, okay. so, yeah, look it up. We can talk about that on, on the next show a little bit more. If it's even necessary but one of the things that i always do is I, I i look up project green like while i'm watching this show like i see what other people are saying and it's funny how like some of the things i was thinking like how these two producers are the villains of the show like the way that wow. they kind of came across people were tweeting that you know wow. people were feeling 
sorry for Miko throughout the process. There are tons of podcasts that are out now. Miko has done a couple of podcasts where she explained what the process was and what some of her disappointments and what oh. some of her joys was. And she actually uh, spoke and said her yeah. feelings and what she thought about it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm serious. I am serious. I watched uh, how many episodes? I watched 10 episodes. And I, I don't, I, I can't, I don't have a beat on her. And then when I watched the movie, I didn't have a beat on her from the movie. So I, I'm still, she got a lot of my time and I don't know her. I still don't have an idea of her. I think what happened with it was she, she didn't get the project green light experience that other people got. Huh. And it's not, I don't think she's, one, there's not a lot of promo that can be done about this now. And I think they knew that Hollywood was going to shut down. So a lot of people are, these are old, you know, I think this was an old pre-planned, you know, interview. It would be interesting to see if people were actively able to do promotion on this, what would have been said. But I, I do think that this project was uh, put out to hide it a little bit so that it wouldn't get a lot of promotion and there would be an excuse why it doesn't get a lot of promotion. Um, yeah, I think this was kind of just hidden real quick in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Tucked I, away. And I think they'll come back with an alternative later. I, I wish it would have went better. I was rooting, rooting for black, <laughs> female black woman, Miko. I was hoping it would go great. I think in the beginning when they decided to call it Project Greenlight and New Generation, I thought it was going to be a thing and at least I think they thought it was going to be a thing too, where it's going to be like, hey, we're going to show you how to do this right. That's what they did back in the day. This is the new generation. This is how we do. We're going to do it with, with, with people of color. We're going to do it with women. And we're going to do it ourselves. And we're going to show you. Because they even made a dig about how those old movies wasn't necessarily the best movies. They did mediocre movies. And we're and basically, we're going to show them what we do. And, and now, I'm sure... The original project green light is like thank you for separating yourself because yeah we don't, that was we don't want no that... association of this so you keep that you're trying to use it to keep yourself separate but now we're glad you are using that to separate you away from us because you kind of fell on your face with this one and like i said that movie is decent in spite of but i was kind of hoping that this would go along with those like you said the other movies that we've been mentioning and different shows and different visionaries and stuff and I think it says a lot when they do the credits at the end of the show where the other people that they turned down that didn't get it out of those 10, they got these big projects and stuff that they're doing and these big old gigs and stuff. And it seemed like, you know, Miko doesn't have anything coming up. So it's interesting how sometimes even the winner don't necessarily win on these situations sometimes. Yeah, she lost, she lost big time because, yeah. So I'm excited that I hope that they bring it back again. I think I would definitely love for them to change up the mentors. Even if you kept Issa and her team, that's fine. The other two mentors contribute nothing to the project. Yeah. I really wish, especially this being the thing that was under um, Who Ray's um, banner and you have an Issa Ray. not that she's always 100%, but I am shocked that she didn't, you know, provide the script for that movie, whatever it would have been, even if it wasn't this kind of sci-fi thing. I'm surprised it wasn't something that she wrote or did a treatment for. Why have some outside person like that doing it when you got a person that's a writer? Like, it gotta be some script that she had that she didn't have enough time to get to. 
You know what I mean? Or have somebody flesh it out. But for her to be a person who writes all these hit shows and stuff, not to be the one providing the script, because that would have been the asset too for it being under her. And so for her not to provide that, you know. But when you said, you know, he had a person don't look like the, the people that's in the movie, that was a great point. I, I, I didn't necessarily care for what the guy wrote and everything, but that is a good point. And the fact that he's pushing for all this blackness and all this women stuff, for them to have a, 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 a white guy writing this story about a black mom and a daughter, that is, that is a problem. And, and like I said, I didn't like it for the story, but that's more, <laughs> that's even a bigger issue. And what does that say? What, what is that? That's, you know, that's the skeleton. And that's what you thought was fine. But then you're particular about the, cause that kind of hindered everything else. They even hindered the guy that she wanted to hire another white guy because it would have been like too many white folks in it because they already had the writer that was white. But it could have been they had a black uh -oh. woman writer and that would have just kind of changed the dominoes of all. That's interesting. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. You didn't hit on something else. Uh. I Man, I'm right there with you on it. It's a lot. We will get off this subject and then later on tonight, wake up in the middle of the night and be like, and another thing, you know, like it's so much that we are not even covering right. um, that went wrong with this or it could have gone better, we should say. But hopefully it does get another another shot. I would love to see Issa come back again and be more hands-on and show budgeting and all the things that some of the original Project Greenlight stuff got into the weeds with, that this particular show was just like, we're making a film real quick. Like, I don't want to see another Project Greenlight come out in the next year. I want to see one come out in two years because a movie takes that long to make. Like, I want to see them really document an actual person getting a real full-length feature, do, not this. Do you feel this movie is a fair depiction of Miko's capabilities? Uh, yes and no. I think it's a fair depiction of what Miko and probably 95% of directors, experienced or not, would do with a bad script a short budget, which, by the way, they never told us that it, what the budget was, which was part of what Project Greenlight should be about. But, but uh, supposedly small budget, short time frame, and multiple issues. Yeah, I think that that, I, I don't think anybody could have made a good film from that. And there's that upper 5% of just talented people that just pour their whole life into things and are just just amazing so yes your jordan peels and yeah they but you know what i don't think they would have i think they would have probably produced a short film they would have chopped that script up but but yeah so to answer your question yes this is the best of what she could do with that situation i do believe she gave her best i do think that if she gets another shot she'll do better do you think this is going to hurt her career or help her career absolutely Absolutely. What hurt? It's or a catch help? twenty. Hurt, 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 hurt. Okay. And now it's a catch twenty two with that. You know how they say like, no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. In this particular case, when you got ten whole episodes dedicated to how crappy you are, it absolutely is bad for you. Like it's hard to overcome ten episodes in a row of people saying 
Miko has no vision. Miko doesn't listen to us. Miko's stubborn. And she goes on vacation never often. Wants to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Like, basically, it's a lie. Like, none of that would have happened without her being a hard worker, without her having some vision. Like, but it's the same trope of you know like even when our people was being they're lazy and shiftless and blah 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 and it's like yeah man whatever like like i can't even imagine looking at my ancestors and processing them as lazy or shiftless because we built this country like and so it's like but it's the same thing it's like she made your crappy film she's not all those things that you tried to project her to be you purchased a crappy mediocre script from a crappy mediocre or he could be a good writer but he wrote a crappy mediocre script you purchased it and instead of going out and buying one you try to bring in women of color to fix it and even they couldn't fix it because it was in the 11th hour you want Miko to change all of these things yeah you got all these suggestions those women's suggestions should have been listened to but I think Miko was also listening to the reality of what she's in oh, I got to shoot this in five weeks and they sitting here giving me these brilliant ideas that's going to take 12 weeks? <laughs> oh, I got to cast people next week and they telling me to to write another character. Come on, man. What are we doing here? You setting this woman up for failure? They set Miko up for failure. It was a setup from, from day one. I'm disappointed that, that Issa let it happen. I, I rarely say this, but you have helped curve my opinion on Miko because I I felt a whole different way but you truly gave me some some thoughts to think about as far as the perspective of what she kind of went through because really even though I knew that it was they were kind of cutting the the show to lean on towards making Miko the only guilty one and the bad guy to be honest I kind of was agreeing with it but um your insight and perspective really um help me kind of see it in a different kind of way because I, I did see some of the stuff was like you know didn't make sense and but you know how agreeable is somebody going to be to something that's not worth agreeing to so that's fair because because yeah. i really just saw it just straight kind of um, being her fault and ignoring stuff but when the way you put it and stuff and the timing and what they're asking and you pretty much got me with that yeah they gave her a bad script so what do you expect her to do that's enough right yeah. there to be honest it's so. the power of empathy because I can empathize with her. I ain't never been given a bad script because I don't make narrative films. <laughs> like, you can give me a bad treatment all day, but we something good's going to happen to your treatment don't mean anything. I'm directing a film coming up real soon. Not, not a narrative, but like a documentary. And they've given me great source material, and I'm so excited for it. Cannot mention it in any way, shape, form, or fashion right now. But it's going to be like one of the best experiences of my life, but it probably will be one of the worst experiences of my life at the same time. I'm super excited, but I also know that it's going to be one of the toughest processes. So I empathize with any director and I'm always going to lean towards seeing it their way. Yeah. Um, in a couple of years when I'm producing things for people, I will probably look back at that project green light and be like, Miko's a clown. <laughs> and, you know, like... <laughs> So catch me in a couple of years. <laughs> we'll check back for sure. Yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah check do, back. And, we'll do a but, revisit. Yeah, but y'all check on this next episode. It's about that they clone Tyrone. 
Uh, Jay doesn't give grades. Drew does. Right. It's an A plus. It's an A plus film. It's nine point five out of ten. I or nine point six, so it can be a an A. It was. Yeah. It's a. It's a brilliant film. So make sure, you know, I'll be back for that one. Hopefully, if Jay don't, you know, if he allows me to. I'll, oh, I'll stop it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it! We have a mantra that we say to each other in our darkest days, and it always seems to bring us back together. We ride together. We die together. Bad boys for life. <laughs> <laughs> Bad yeah. boys for life. All right, man. I appreciate yeah. you. See you again soon so we can discuss this. They clone Tyrone. That's, can't wait, man. Can't wait. So it's been Jay and Drew. Until next time, peace. All right, you too, man. Thanks for listening and please like and subscribe be sure to check out past and future episodes of this show along with my other shows entitled the movie bench quarterbacking podcast and the j and podcast available now on all streaming platforms until next time peace